Welcome to the Readerly Report, a podcast of Readerly Magazine. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, we have Gail back from vacation. Yay! Yay! And she has a bunch of book recommendations um, based on what she's reading. I'm I'm sure you can give us some recommendations. And we're going to talk a little bit about choosing vacation books and, I guess, getting a perfect mix of books to take on vacation. And then a few new books that we are excited that are out or that we're looking forward to. So... Yes. Yeah, so I just returned from vacation and um, I brought way too many books with me, but I have to say I got to the majority of them. So I don't feel quite as guilty for all of the, the weight that they took. Now you said um, you brought, you brought six books, right? Or did you bring more? <laughs> I think I brought, I think I brought seven or eight and I think I read six. Is that right? Okay. I think I read like five or six. So you know, you got to always account for one or two that maybe you turns out are not as exciting as you thought they would be, or they're not the right fit for the right time. Right. So, okay. Cause well, first did, of all is, cause you had asked me about vacation read, um, not a vacation read, an airplane read, which I think is a very important, um, thing yeah. to talk about for selection. Cause you know, with an airplane, you want to make it go fast. So you had said what was going to be like super engrossing. So what did you read on the plane? Right. Well, I probably, the order in which I read these books is probably not the best in terms of like their appropriateness for travel. So what I actually ended up reading on the plane on the way over was a book. I ended up finishing the Bruce memoir because I just wanted to finish it. Like I, I don't like to have too many at one time that are not done. And I had, I would had made it like two thirds of the way through Bruce on audio and then I just wanted to finish it. So I read that on the plane, which I don't think is necessarily a good plane book, because I think you're right that you, with a plane book, you want to get so engrossed in the book that you're not paying attention to what's going on. Right. You want to be in that book and not thinking about how many more how hours. Much, <laughs> how many hours are left. Right. And these were long flights. We went to Asia and we had a series of long flights. So it was lots and lots of time in the air. Um, but I did find that I, while I was there, I was having some trouble sleeping because my uh, my times were all off and I would sort of wake up and couldn't go back to sleep. So then you do want something pretty engrossing um, because you're like whiling away time. Um, and so the, one of the vacation reads was definitely a popcorn book. And it's one that you and I talked about before, which was Best Day Ever by, uh, I don't know how to say her name. Is it Kyra Ruda or Kara Kara Ruda? Um it is a psychological thriller. It is what I call popcorn. We've talked about it a lot on the show. It is, um, you know, unreliable narrator, asshole husband, and <laughs> sort of, you know, things transpiring that you don't expect. And uh, the reader left to try to figure out who's telling the truth and what's reality. Um, you read this one, right? Yes. It came out yeah. in September, I think. And I read it then. And... You know, I I don't think I I don't know if we talked about it that much because I just thought it was a popcorn book and I wasn't too surprised by it. I mean, best day ever. You just know that she's not going to someone's not going to have the best day ever. (laughs) Right. No surprise there. 
But I think, you know, for what it is, I mean, it is a good, it's a good popcorn book. Yes, for sure. I mean, it is, it is pure popcorn. Um, it went really fast. I can't say that I have any lingering thoughts about it, you know, like exactly. five or six months the later. <laughs> the definition of popcorn leaves no lasting impact whatsoever. You know, like it's good while it lasts and then you feel vaguely ill afterwards and then you move on. Right. And it doesn't leave much of a footprint. But so, it got yeah. you to, it got you to Asia. It got me to Asia or it got me to sleep or, you know, whatever. It, it got me the escape, the, the, the sort of physical escape that I needed into something else. Right. So that was, you know, that was a good one. Um, I, I did read the levers also on vacation and, uh, or I finished the levers cause I had started it. And that's a book that you and I have, have mentioned many times on the show. Right. And I don't think I loved it as much as other people have. Um, it, it was, a, it's a very timely book cause it's about, immigration and um, deportation of non-legal immigrants in the United States and the impact it has on families. It talks about uh, internet or sort of transracial adoption or transcultural adoption and the issues that come up with that. Um, I don't know. I, there's something about that book that left me cold. I don't know whether it was the character's, or something about the writing, it 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 seemed in some ways unrealistic, sort of the way it transpired in the end and, and how the characters reconnected later in life just seemed kind of unrealistic to me, given how far apart they all were. I, I don't know. I, I wanted to like it more, but it was not, it definitely does not rank up there as among my favorite reads so far this year. Right. Now, I really like that book. I did not like... I know what you're I know what you're talking about because I feel like I did not relate to the main characters Deming I didn't really relate to his parents. Um mm-hmm. I thought the situation like I really loved um just how she painted their lifestyle and where they lived and him making the transition. I felt like I didn't agree with a lot of his choices, but I also felt like I, you know you can't like I couldn't impose how how I've grown up or my experiences with what he's going through. So I thought it was an interesting imagining of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I really liked you know like you said the immigration issues and what happens in situations like that. Mm-hmm. I did think there were some things that I sort of in the beginning, I don't think it's giving too much away to say, you know, when Deming goes to live with the white family, the the family that he had been staying with, with his mom, it was just sort of like, I can't take care of him anymore. He's going into foster care. Right. And, you know, I guess I wanted to see more of a, more of the tension around that decision. <laughs> That was sort of baffling to me. Well, I but like I, I said, there like, was just so much that I had just never considered. Yeah, right. I mean, you, do, you don't think a lot about this, like what happens when somebody gets deported. Or you don't. Gets I mean, you don't really removed. have this exper- experience, right? I I felt like with the family that gave him up or that you know surrendered him, that didn't seem that surprising to me. He wasn't related to them. 
they were, it was the sister of the mom's boyfriend. They were living in like a two bedroom apartment um, and nobody had a lot of money. So the fact that they had, you know, six months later after the mom disappears, they have this boy that they have to feed and take care of. I don't think I thought it was surprising or like so much as it seems sudden. Yeah. You know, it it was just like they didn't spend much time on that. But then there was so much, you know, there was so much to cover. It's not like it was a short book. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed reading it. I'm glad I did. It has been on my TBR for such a long time. and uh, You I'm finished it up. <laughs> I finished it up. You can close the door on that one. So, um, yeah, so that, I, I wouldn't categorize that necessarily as a vacation read. It just was, you know, an engrossing read that I had happened to read on vacation. Um, so what was your most engrossing read? <laughs> well, I read this book called Loner, which is a book about a freshman at Harvard who is this dorky antisocial kid who kind of gets to Harvard and thinks he's going to reinvent himself. And all of a sudden he'll be popular and accepted and have a girlfriend and, you know, he gets there and of course he's still the same person he always was, but he kind of manages to find a group of friends, but yet he also becomes obsessed with this other freshman in his dorm, who's this, you know, beautiful, rich, Upper East Side New Yorker. And he develops an obsession with her, which as the book goes on, becomes less innocent and something a little more disturbing. And you know, I won't say how it ends. Um, it definitely has a very dark side to it, but it's also quite entertaining. Like the way it's written, it's just, it's just very funny. It's written by a guy who went to Harvard and it's sort of a send up of all these, you know, caricatures of, of, of Harvard types, archetypes, the, you know, the rich kids who are in the eating clubs or whatever they're called at Harvard and, the parties and the super dorky kids. And it just was, it was pretty funny. So it's, um, it has a disturbing ending and, you know, uh, it's not, it's not necessarily a light book, but I found it very funny. It's not very long. So I probably got through that one pretty fast and I was eager to eager to return to that when I'd get back to the room at night. Okay. So that sounds like a find. Yeah, that was good. Um, I also read this collection of stories called Bobcat and Other Stories by Rebecca Lee. Have you ever heard of her or that collection of stories? I have not. Do so, tell. Yeah. So I have this book a day calendar. This like, you know, every day has a, has a different book on it. And I, um, you know, I find books there. Like uh, every day there's something featured and, you know, I would say three out of four times is a book I'm not interested in, or maybe it's a book I've already mm-hmm. read. But every now and again, I see something that catches my eye. Well, thank God. Yeah, I, I mean, if there was that. one every day that you wanted, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> I know. I do have a big pile of, the, of old, like old. things, I pages I've ripped off of this, various dates that go back a while that I don't always do anything with. But, I, you know, this one kind of caught my eye, and so I picked – I went to the library website, and it was there, so I reserved it and picked it up. And it was – I don't know. I think I'm like one of those books I'm just not smart enough for. Like I, I, the the first story was good and I got into it. And then I started reading more 
And I, you know, I'd gone on Goodreads and like, there are so many five-star reviews of this collection. People like, oh, this, she's so brilliant. And this is the future of short stories. And these are perfect and amazing. And I just was like, what am I missing? Because they were, you know, a lot of them had academic settings. So there was a lot of just sort of intellectual, like literary references or architectural references. This was another thing, and this sounds so awful to say, but like all of the characters had weird names and they were foreign names. And I kept trying to understand, like, are these set in another country? Are they, you know, what nationality are these people? I just, I couldn't figure it out. And, um, it was, I just found it very strange, like the names she was choosing, the settings she was using. And I, you know, I sort of skimmed a few of them cause I just was like, I, I, don't, I was like, these are either going over my head or they're not very good. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And they had some nice little twists in them, um, occasionally. So I, I grasped a few of them, but in the end, like I was trying to write a blog post review of this and I just. I, I just like didn't even like, get it enough to really write a good review. My library has it. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out and read a story oh, or good. two. I'm curious to see. Check. what I'm not committing to the whole book. I'll read a couple of stories. Okay, read the first story. The first story is the best one. Um, that's Bobcat. See, I feel like this is why I sort of steer clear of short story collections. Um, Ramona Osabel has a new short story collection coming out. She wrote this novel, I don't, not in 20, maybe later part of 2016, it was called Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty. Oh yeah, I remember you read that. I read that. I mean, she's a good writer. I enjoy her her stories. I did have one small problem with that book, and that was the fact that it's basically about these parents who are in the middle of, the, uh, of a divorce, and... Or they decide to get divorced. They're having problems in their relationship and they walk out on each other. They're having a temporary disagreement on what to do when um, his inheritance disappears and it looks like he's going to have to go to work and he really doesn't want to. So it talks a lot about their lifestyle and, and what it means to make a lifestyle change like that and how much should you sacrifice what you want to do in order to take care of your family and sort of expectations that you have in relationships and marriage. And she did such a wonderful job with all those topics. It's a well-written book, but it just bugged me that even though it's set in the 80s, so it wasn't set in a time where you had cell phones or anything, I think the kids were home alone in the house for like a week or so. Oh, God. And I just could not get around. It's just like, I just, you know, I was asking my mother, would you have gone someplace and just, you know, just not called? Like, she calls, but she ne- you, they never reach anyone at the house. And each of them is gone, and, and either of them is assuming that the other is there. So anyway, long story short is that she was a good writer. And when I saw that she had a short story collection, I was really interested in reading it. So... I was like, let me give this a chance. And it's not out yet. I think it's coming out in March. If you like sort of weird short stories, it's definitely something that you might want to check out if you like abstract short stories. But I think the first one was told sort of from the point of view of one of the Cyclops from The Odyssey or something. Mm -hmm. And he is, he's filling out an online dating application or something like that. And it's like, 
you know, I eat people or, or who do you want to be with? And describe yourself. I have one eye. And it's just like, I don't know. Maybe the stories are more well-written or whatever, but I just don't enjoy stuff like that. I just don't enjoy things that are sort of weird Hmm, explorations for the sake of being weird. Well, I will be very curious to know what you think of Bobcat. Like, it just, (laughs) I, I just, I was reading these reviews and, so many of them were so glowing. And then occasionally there'd be someone who's like, yeah, I didn't really connect this one. I, didn't, I, I found them inaccessible. And I'm like, yes, like that's me. I, it just, I don't know. It was weird. I, I have to say short stories are kind of good for when you're on vacation, especially if you're on a vacation that doesn't involve a lot of sitting around. So, I mean, if you're on a beach, that's one thing. But if you're going on and off of, you know, tour buses or you're visiting things or you've got short flights, it's um, easy to keep that flow and just read a little story. Yeah, just read one at a time, and then you don't feel like, you know, that you've got that nagging feeling that you want to get back to your book because you don't want to, you know, you're, you're in the middle of something. If you've got a little bit of closure at the end of a chapter, at the end of a story, uh, I think it makes for good vacation um, timing. Okay. So, so I'm going to check out a couple of stories in Bobcat and report back on that. Um, okay. I'm also going to read, I'm going to skip around in Ramona Ausubel's short stories and see if I can, you know, if they're all sort of strange, you know, okay. like Greek mythology people, yeah. online dating, then I may not read that many of them. But because I did like her writing, I am curious about some of her other stories. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll report um, back. So what was your next book? Um, I think my next one was my last one, which is I Read the Immortalists, which is by Chloe Benjamin. That oh, did you out. like that? You know, I did like it. I I, I love the first fourth of it. And then the second. Love the hesitation. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's a little mixed. Um, I love right. the I love the first the first chunk of it, which yeah. mm-hmm. the premise of the story is that there's four kids who – go to see a fortune teller when they're young and the fortune teller tells them the day that they're each going to die. And, um, the next chat, the next part of the book follows each of the four and sees how they live their life after that and whether her prophecy comes true and how the knowledge that they have impacts how they live their life. And so each quarter of it deals with one of the four kids. And um, I really liked the first one a lot. And then the second one I was a little iffy on. And I was thinking, is this book kind of going astray for me? And I was like, maybe I don't like this book as much. And then I, I feel like it kind of um, it kind of came back, uh, went back on track in the second half. And, and by the end of it, I actually thought it was a really interesting book. And I thought she had some very interesting insights about you know, what, how we do make choices and about mortality and about, you know, what we, I don't know, like, I, I we don't all have that knowledge of someone telling us when we're going to die, whether it's accurate or not. But um, I don't know, I, I found it to be actually quite a, quite a beautiful book in the end. And it really came together well. So this book has gotten tons and tons of hype. And so, you know, the question is, is it merited? Does it live up to the hype? And I think it does. It's, it's, it's an interesting book and a really interesting premise. And I do think she's a good writer. So in the end, I do give a recommendation for The Immortalists. 
Have you read that yet or not? I haven't. I it's sort of for whatever reason it just felt like a book that I probably would not enjoy. Hype aside. Oh, I think you would. Really? Yeah, because it's about relationships. It's about this family, and it's about how the kids relate to each other. What's interesting is that the four kids don't actually have a lot of interaction with each other in life. You know, they they actually become estranged in some ways. And some of that is due to factors that have nothing to do with the prophecy they got. But some of it does have to do with it. And the fact that they each carry it around with them, not only knowing their own date, but knowing the other one's dates, which at some point they all sort of share with each other. And, you know, that even of itself has an impact on their relationship. So I actually, I think he would like it. Hmm. I'd be interested to hear what you think of it. This was a, our book club pick for my book club, which is, hasn't met yet. So I haven't actually talked about it with anybody yet. Um, but I, I'd recommend it. Okay. Good. So we'll follow up on that because I'm curious to hear what the discussion is like with your book club. Yeah. If you find lots of things to discuss. It's interesting because I just read this book called The Hazelwood. Um, It is a YA novel. It's by an author called Melissa Albert. And I had sort of a similar reaction to this. I really wanted to read this book because it is sort of supposed to be steeped in fairy tale lore, which I'm always interested about in in reading about. And it's older teen, so it it seems like the story could have skewed older. And I was very interested in it in the beginning. You know, it's about um, this, I think she's 17, and her grandmother is known for writing these, this really fabulous short story, uh, fairy tale collection that has just slowly been disappearing, but it's just sort of like had much acclaim and cult status. And her mother disappears and she's been told to stay away from her grandmother's estate. So of course she has to go in search of this place to look for her mother. And it's all about, you know, what happens on her journey and what she finds out and um, about her mother and her grandmother and herself. But it was real. I was really into it, you know, halfway through. It got a little, it took a turn that I didn't quite like or feel like it resonated with the rest of the story, but then it got back on track at the end. So when that happens, it's always sort of a little bit like I, li- I liked it, but there's that hesitation there. Like, I don't know. It's almost like that weak piece takes a little bit away from the book. But like you said, it sort of brought it back at the end, and I really liked the story that she was telling and the themes that she was exploring. Okay, so we've made it through the vacation reads that I covered. What are you reading now? So right now I'm reading a book that comes out on February 13th. It's called Mrs. by Caitlin Caitlin Macy. And it's about the secret amidst these wealthy New Yorkers. Um, it takes place right after the financial crisis. I think it's in 2009. So banks are going under and having trouble, and it's concentrating on um, the wives of of various bankers. And one is the wife of... I guess he will eventually be the attorney general or he has ambitions to run for the attorney general, but he investigates financial crimes. So there are a couple of secrets in the heart of 
um, this social circle and friends. So I'm reading it, and it's interesting, but it's also one of those books that I enjoy what I'm reading. I like how she's approaching the subject matter, but at the same time, it does seem like it's told from a bunch of different perspectives, and it's a little bit jumbled. So sometimes it's not as engrossing as I would like it to be. Um, In a way, I almost think that she's trying to do a little bit too much with her writing, but I'm about halfway through. So we'll see if, you know, as the secrets are revealed and it's pulled all together, if I'm more sort of committed to it. Because right now I think it's enjoyable, but I am having some issues with the writing. And then I'm also reading this book called The Wolves of Winter. It came out in January. Um, It's by Terrell Johnson. And it's sort of post-apocalyptic. I'm not very far into it. Maybe I've read the first tenth of the book. But I don't know. Something nuclear has happened. Like some nuclear war has broken out. Some bombs have been dropped. There has been a violent flu epidemic, which sort of echoes some things that we've been hearing in the news recently. And um, so it's about this family or this group that has moved up They were living in Alaska, they were originally from Chicago, but now it seems like they are living up in some part of the Yukon in Canadian territory, and how their life has changed. They're basically survivalists living in this very cold place, trapping and hunting for a living, and I think they are supposed to run into some other survivors of the nuclear disaster, and I'll see what happens between these groups when they clash. But so far, like, I'm really enjoying the story, and it has a really great heroine that I'm enjoying. So I think I'll it'll probably be one that I recommend if nothing goes awry. So what about you? I just started a book called Nomadland, which is nonfiction about um, the phenomenon of older workers in the United States who are out of work and searching for jobs who take on these kind of temporary jobs in random places like campgrounds or um, Amazon fulfillment centers uh, and how they often will just move into motorhomes and they live in these motorhomes while they're transporting themselves to these jobs and living there. It's actually quite depressing. It's just about how, um, you know, home ownership has become so unaffordable and how these people who really should be at retirement age are forced into this kind of itinerant lifestyle in order to just to figure out a way to afford to live. So, um, uh, that's, that's what I'm reading now. And I also started the bookseller at your recommendation. I was needing something a little light after all the depressing and disturbing stuff I read on vacation. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to read that one too. I'll be curious to hear what you think. I love the bookseller. I thought, um, well, it has dual timelines, which is always fun if done well. And I thought she did that really well. Um, and also it's, it's just sort of an interesting question. I don't think it, it's, it won't be disturbing in the best day ever kind of way, but it really thinks makes you think about sort of, I don't know, almost like a sliding doors type of what, in what ways would your life change based on certain decisions that you make or what's going on? Right. Well, I'm excited to read that one. So I think we're going to just take a couple minutes here and very quickly each talk about a couple of books that are coming out now in February. Um, 
my first one is also nonfiction by a novelist that I like named Maggie O'Farrell. And it's called I Am, I Am, I Am. And it is about... Oh, that's on my list. Oh, is that one of the three, the ones you picked too? Um, it's on my list. I didn't pick that one for it, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that you want to read it too. Yeah, so it's about 17 near misses with death that she has had um, or that someone in her family has had. And apparently it's just very um, matter of fact. It's not, um, it's not, she doesn't pity herself. It's not like sort of histrionic and dramatic. It's just a very matter of fact telling about these sort of difficult things that have happened in her life. And I've read some of her books in the past and uh, I like her writing a lot. So I'm looking forward to this one. Which one of her books would you recommend? Oh my God. What are they called? Did she write um, Heat on, Wave or something about? Yes, she did write that. I'm just looking at the ones that she's written that I've read. Um, the Vanishing Act of Esme Lennox. I read that one. Instructions for a Heat Wave. I think that's the one that I liked a lot. Um, and then I, I have other ones that she's written that I haven't read yet, but that, uh, instructions for a heat wave, trying to look, I'm just quickly looking it up on, uh, yeah, I did read this one. I just like her writing a lot. She's, I think she's really good. Um, I want to do my other two and then you can do yours. Um, the other one I have, The Only Story by Julian Barnes. Um, that is coming out, I think, this week. He wrote Sense and of an Ending, right? He did read. He did write Sense of an Ending, which I actually found to be kind of a confusing book in some ways. It was one of those books where I feel like did I when I got to the end, I was like, wait, did I miss something? I was trying to remember, I, I, trying to figure that one out. But um, this one is about a... I think it's a love story about a young, like a 20-year-old a boy or a young-ish man and a much older woman. And he's looking back on his life much later on this love affair that he had and how it impacted his life. So that sounded interesting to me. And then the last one is a book called The Queen of Hearts um, by... Is it Kim? I'm trying to read my own handwriting here. Kimmy Martin. I'm not sure what her name is. Um, and this is a book about a friendship between two women who are both uh, doctors. And they have been friends for a very long time. And, oh, sorry, Kimmery Martin. K-I-M-M-E-R-Y. Um, they've been friends since they were much younger. And it's about how their friendship gets tested later in their life. Um, one of them is married. I think one of them is single and there's some things that happen and some people who reenter their lives that test their friendship. And, um, it just got the, the few reviews I've read have been very, very positive. So I want to try to get my hands on that one too. Sounds good. I yeah. actually have my eye on that one. The Kim Marie Martin, the queen of hearts. Mm-hmm. So... Good, good. What did you have? So I'm continuing on our nonfiction kick where so many nonfiction books are touching stories that I want to explore. One is called Educated. It's by Tara Westover. It comes out February 20th. And it's a memoir being compared to All the Glass Castles or Glass. Mm -hmm. What is that book? 
That's going to bother me. Jeanette Walls? Yes, the Jeanette Walls. And it's basically about this woman who grows up in Idaho to a bunch of survivalists and her journey through life, how it takes her. She gets her PhD from Cambridge. So you have to think that that's an interesting story to to be born to survivalist parents in Idaho and, and sort of live an off-the-grid li- lifestyle. But uh, get yeah, yourself- That one sounded so grim when I read about it. Get yourself out of that. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious about that. Hopefully it will have that matter-of-fact style that Jeanette Walls employed. I feel like I like matter-of-fact memoirs because otherwise they get a little weepy. Yeah. So the other one that I'm looking forward to that just came out at the end of January is called Black Fortunes, and it's by Shamari Willis, Shamari Wills. And it's basically telling the story of, I guess the subtitle is the story of the first six African-Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires. And I love stories like that, you know, people who are who are doing extraordinary things in times when it would when it would be really difficult for them to do so. I mean, even now it's hard to become a millionaire, I guess, if you're a normal person. So I can imagine just out of slavery, that's, those are some stories that I'm looking forward to delving in into history that we don't really get to hear about. So those are my picks. Well, well, good. All right. So good stuff coming out in February. Good stuff to read on vacation. <laughs> and uh, we'll check in next and get some reports on the books we discussed today and maybe talk a little bit about books that we haven't finished. Yes. What goes into a, a DNF or in Gail's case, books that, a books that she wish she had. Right. Yeah, exactly. The ones that she should, should have been. <laughs> should have been a DNF. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, we look forward to connecting again next time. And until then, happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.